Welcome to the Mind Dive Podcast, brought to you by the Menninger Clinic, a national leader in mental health care. We're your hosts, Dr. Bob Boland and Dr. Carrie Harrell. Twice monthly, we dive into mental health topics that fascinate us as clinical professionals, and we explore those unexpected dilemmas that arise while treating patients. Join us for all of this, plus the latest research and perspectives from the minds of distinguished colleagues near and far. Let's dive in. We are thrilled today to be joined by Jaira Knight. She is an early intervention specialist and professional development director of First Three Years, which is an organization that nurtures early relational and mental health of infants and toddlers in Texas. It was formerly known as the Texas Association for Infant Mental Health. Uh, In her work with children and families, Jaira's technique stems from working with children's microsystem, as in their home, daycare, or school, community, to impact their development. Jaira believes it is best practice to implement therapy in the home around individuals who can implement the same strategies into the child's daily routine. She has a master's degree in human development and family studies from Texas Women's University and a bachelor's in child development, also from Texas Women's. Welcome. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. I am delighted to be here with you all today. So, you know, we're going to start where we pretty much always start, which is to hear a little bit about you and your interest. We know that you've been uh, particularly an advocate for early intervention. And as mentioned in your bio, these kind of family-based approaches to working with young kids. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your career so far, how you became interested in this part of the field? Absolutely. Um, So I began my career um, right out of college as a toddler to teacher. So I was very hands on right out of the gate with children who were um, essentially in this first three years of life. Right. And so I spent a lot of time observing them, observing their interactions with their caregivers as well during drop off, during pickup. And and I love this is kind of where I found my niche. I knew I loved this age range. But I also knew that I wanted to get into more um, direct service work. So I then transitioned from being a toddler to teacher to an early intervention specialist. And during that time is when I had the opportunity to do a lot of home visiting, um, visiting with families, seeing what's happening in their natural um, environment. So what's going on in the home? Um, and then that's where I really kind of saw the impact of influencing a child's microsystem. And I say that microsystem because uh, essentially that is their home, their child care center. But essentially it was bigger than that. It's, it's their entire ecosystem, right? So I, I, I loved that work. I loved being at home with families. But the one thing that I really noticed um, during that time is when working with children and families, Nearly all the time, we're starting at basic trust with Mm -hmm. children and their families. So when we think about implementing therapy in the home, before we can teach anything, we first have to go back to trust. And so that was in, it was in that time where I understood essentially Eric Erickson's psychosocial development, right? Classic. Trust versus mistrust, um, really teaching and supporting parents around how to develop that trust, um, really teaching and supporting 
what they're already doing, right? So a lot of my parents were already doing a lot of the classic things that we know, right? When a baby cry, we feed them or, or we change their diaper or we give them snuggles and cuddles, right? And so really supporting them and um, the things that they were already doing, but also making some minor tweaks here and there to continue to support um, that brain development that happens during that stage of trust versus mistrust. So in that time, I was I, I got to thinking more about brain development and, mm-hmm. and how this happens and how it works. So that essentially led me down a rabbit hole of mental health and wanting to learn more about that approach and how we implement it in our day-to-day practices as caregivers to essentially help children develop well from the start. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because uh I mean, sure, everyone's heard of that, but I, I'm not sure it's always clear, like, why why would it be hard for some kids to develop trust? You know, it's just a normal process. Absolutely. So when we talk about infant mental health, I, I say we can't talk about infant mental health without speaking about early relational health. The two essentially go hand in hand. And so yeah. when we speak about early relational health, again, taking that strength-based approach with parents and with caregivers to help them know that safe, stable, and nurturing relationships are essentially the foundation for all other brain development that happens, right? We take simple things like a game of peekaboo, and we talk to parents and we talk to caregivers about how in that moment, those repeated positive experiences are what we're going after every single day. Because those repeated positive experiences are essentially what get the neurons firing in the brain, right? Mm -hmm. That's where we see a lot of that brain activity occurring for children. Um, And we also know within the first three years of life, their kids are like spongy. They're soaking up everything. And so as much as possible, we want them to be able to soak up those positive experiences. Again, for the, the laying of that foundation, there are so many different things that happen. We're, we, we're talking brain development. We're talking about foundations of relationships, even emotional regulation. Before we get to a point where children are able to self-regulate and regulate their own emotions, we first have to have co-regulation. It's a must. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really giving parents and caregivers the tools to be able to co-regulate with their children and also self-regulate themselves in order to co-regulate with their children (laughs) because that is also a part of the process. And then there's other things that develop with that, like sense of self, the uh, independence and exploration for learning, uh, stress coping. All of these things are dependent on the foundational level of trust between a parent and a child. Jaira, you and I are talking the same language because (laughs) I am definitely like attachment informed. That's sort of my base of how I think about things. And I I teach a group here for our young adults on on mentalizing and emotion regulation. And I feel like one of the things that can feel like a leap or can be sort of confusing at times is, is why would mentalize what would mentalizing have to do with a attachment and b with these early experiences like pre-verbal slash i don't even remember them and and i I think you're really speaking to that that these early years is 
when not only there's so much going on in the brain and honestly that part I find fascinating but I don't know nearly as much about but these connections are being made in the brain but also these lenses are beginning to develop even around like if I have this feeling in yeah. my body yeah. that's an emotion is it yeah. attended to is that something wrong with me and I wonder and this is kind of a broad question but in your work, mm-hmm. do you find kind of similar patterns that like, y- do you get a lot of pushback that people are like, oh, how could this be that? They're not even going to remember. Um, how Absolutely. could this be important? Why? And so I wonder if you want to speak a little bit to that of, of you know, if you imagine someone being like, these are years that the- these kids aren't even going to remember as long as they're fed and they're yes. alive. Who, yes. who cares about the rest? Yes, absolutely. So we do get that pushback a lot. And and I'll also take it a step further in, in hearing the term or the phrase infant mental health. A lot of people begin to think, well, I didn't know a baby could be bipolar or a baby could have schizophrenia because they associate mental health with mental illness. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we essentially have to debunk that. Um, we're talking about helping children develop well from the start, right? So we're not talking about a baby essentially um, uh, having a mental illness, but we're talking about helping uh, that healthy, having healthy beginnings, right? So I want to say that first, and then I want to go back to what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So we get a lot of times people saying, I don't remember when I was that age. Um, my child is not going to remember. But to that point, I always say that, yes, they may not have that memory of this exact moment, but their brain is keeping score. Right. How their brain is being wired is keeping score of every time a a need is met. Every time uh, mom or dad or caregiver comes when I cry, my my body is keeping score of that. Mm -hmm. I am I am aware of how I feel when I cry. I'm also aware of how I feel when mommy hugs me and holds me and swallows me in a blanket. And so I, I to that point, I always say yes. The brain is always keeping score of those interactions, even when a memory is not present. Mm, That's a good way to think of it. Keeping score. I like that. I wonder, do you ever have folks ask the question of what happens if it goes wrong? Absolutely. And I wonder what you think about that, because I because I'm thinking about a if you have someone who's kind of a skeptic of, of infant mental health. They're sort of like, I yes. just think that's not that big of a deal. Yes. How you would like help them understand like what could go wrong and how that impacts the, the child's future. Or on the flip side, I'm making this kind of a complicated question. Yeah. You know, I do that. Yeah. But on the flip side, also, I could imagine not the skeptic, but the super anxious person being like, yeah. oh my God, I'm going to screw up my baby. Yeah. Before they can even talk. And so again, I wonder, I wonder how you think through with people, like what are the consequences slash also how are children and babies resilient? Absolutely. This is why a shrimp based perspective is always the road that we want to take specifically because as a parent or caregiver, you can hear this information and say, oh my goodness. This is a lot. (laughs) Um, The future of my baby's emotional regulation is essentially... Their relational templates. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that can feel really heavy. 
And so this is why we always kind of take that strength-based approach and look at the things that parents and caregivers are already doing well, right? So just like we use positive reinforcement for children, it works for parents and for caregivers too, right? It works for us as adults. And so we want to really highlight the things that we are seeing going great going well between that parent and child dyad. And so um, for a lot of clinicians, I always say focus there. We want to bring our focus there. With the things that we see maybe going a little awry, we want to utilize resources in order to help with that. But when we're talking with parents and caregivers, we're, we're lighting them up with the positive of what's happening because the, what, what happens with that? The more we give them praise and recognition for the positive, the more they're going to repeat it. Makes sense. Can you, they're going to feel empowered yeah. to give that more and more. Can you tell us a bit about the organization? So first three years, Texas. And- absolutely. Absolutely. So I can tell you, yeah. we work in, in kind of three main buckets, if you will. One is education, one is intervention, and the other is awareness. So in our education department, um, we really focus on uh, professional and parent education through webinars, through conferences, and really focusing on building the early childhood workforce. Um, and in that department as well, we also have our um, endorsement program. And so this is uh, a program. It's our infant mental health endorsement. And it's internationally recognized, and it is to recognize early childhood professionals who are in the mental health proficient. Um, mm. So they have gained a number of hours of training regarding infant mental health and met those core competencies um, to be infant mental health indoors. So that is our really cool. education mm-hmm. department. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then our intervention department is our Safe Babies program. And our Safe Babies program works with infants and toddlers and the child welfare system and ultimately surrounding foster parents and bio parents and getting them speaking the same language and also uh, developing the same goals for this child. So uh, with our Safe Babies program, we like to see family reunification whenever possible or a family-determined outcome for the babies that are in the child welfare system. And then lastly is our awareness program, and that houses our community systems work, our Bright by Text work, and Baby Day. So community systems, our Houston Infant Toddler Coalition, our Babies in Baytown program, and also our, our newest Help Me Grow Gulf Coast, really works on a systems level to figure out how we create change on a systems level, which then ultimately trickles down to our professionals, to families, and to children. Um, a Bright by Text is essentially a service that parents and caregivers can sign up for to receive text messages to them regarding activities, regarding events, um, based on their child's age and the location in which they live. And then lastly, but certainly not least, is our baby day. So just like we have, yes, it's so much fun, so much fun. Baby day is like, just like we have Mother's Day and Father's Day, it's baby day. Um, So it is a time for bonding and delight uh, amongst 
children and their caregivers. Um, and we hosted in several cities across the state, but really promoting activities um, and bonding for children. So that is like- first three years in a nutshell. <laughs> wow. I, I remember at some point being like, mom, why is there no daughter's day? And my mom would say things like every day's daughter's That's day. <laughs> Um, every day's baby day. Yeah. Every day's baby day. <laughs> how do people, I mean, how do people really encounter you? Like what brings them to you? Is mm. it uh, is it through referral? Is it the advertisement? Like how how do they find you? So it, it can be a multitude of ways. So sometimes it looks like this. I'm being on a podcast and then I'm hearing about first three years in this way. A lot of times uh, we have a lot of professionals come into us because they are professional members, right? And so they are aware of our work already. For our Safe Babies program, it does look like referrals a lot of the time. And um, for things like Baby Day, a lot of our parents and caregivers essentially have found us through events. Uh, their, their community organizations promoting our Baby Day event, and they essentially connect with us that way. And then are able to register for our parent membership after they have have gained that connection with us. I'm I'm just thinking about you know I I primarily work with adolescents and young adults, and usually yeah. mo- most of the people that I work with, I would say like a, at least a majority of them have some variant of attachment trauma. And often I, I think attachment trauma is a really it's a tough one to conceptualize because of how often folks will say I didn't have trauma. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I had I had my basic needs met or yeah. like I was safe in my home. Um, how how could I have experienced something you're calling trauma? Where where can we even point to it where the trauma was kind of this chronic pattern of their attachment needs being disrupted and their Absolutely. emotional experience being neglected or not attended to or mismentalized, whatever you want to call it. So A, I just want to say I feel so thrilled about this work because you know, seeing the ways where when this stuff isn't attended to, it shows up as suicidality, depression, substance like it's showing up in our young people and I'm sure beyond. So again, I think it's just really intensely important work. And, And I wonder you, we mentioned in your bio and you've, you have specialized a bit in trust-based relational intervention. And I wonder if we can spend a little bit more time thinking about like how, how you approach this work as a way to help sort of like protect and foster something in these kids that help them, you know, hopefully be protected a bit from some of these mental health outcomes later on down the, later down the line. Can you tell us a little bit about like that type of therapy and like what, what it looks like, what you do? Sure, for sure. So um, I'll give you a little bit of background um, regarding um, TBRI or trust-based relational intervention. Um, it was developed by Dr. Karen Purvis and Dr. David Cross from the Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development. And it is very grounded in research um, regarding emotional and behavioral well-being and how these essentially promote these attachment relationships that we've been talking about today. And so they really kind of dive into three key principles of empowerment, connection, and correction. And I really love this empowerment piece because I think that um, sometimes within our work, depending on where we are in, in the grand scheme of our interactions with children and families, A lot of times we take this approach of either empowering children or empowering parents. And I like to bring this together because it has to be 
well, when we talk about early relational health, we talk about everything being bidirectional and dyadic, right? And so I believe this empowerment piece has to be both, right? We want to empower parents, but we also want to empower children. How we want to empower parents is through that strength-based approach that we talked about earlier. How we want to empower children is essentially supporting their autonomy, Right. Giving them some autonomy over their lives, supporting them and giving them choices and allowing them to have a voice in respecting their boundaries and preferences. And so this therapy is essentially very important for children who have experienced any type of trauma. Right. So this empowerment piece for kids, again, always ties back to that trust versus mistrust stage that we talked about earlier as well. So we're giving children some autonomy over their lives so that they essentially trust us. Right. Once Mm -hmm. they trust us, we can then build connection. Right. Without trust, we the connection piece is essentially lost. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for children who have had trauma, We want to make sure that we go back and kind of build that layer of trust before we before we are seeking connection. And then in that connection piece, we are essentially seeking those strong, stable, trusting relationships, right, between caregiver and their children. So this really involves creating the space or an environment that is has attunement and is really a safe environment for their emotions, uh, really exudes empathy and responsiveness to kids. Mm. And then that correction piece involves like setting those clear, consistent, and appropriate boundaries for children. Uh, Because while we can give them empowerment and autonomy, they're still children, and we also have to set boundaries. But in doing this in this distinct order of empowering connection, and then correction, we essentially lay the foundation again for the uh, the relationship to evolve. Yes. I love, I mean, it's reminding me of what you were saying earlier, that like our body keeps the score, our body yeah. keeps, has all this memory. And I think that I, I just really appreciate this piece around trust because I think when our when we are feeling that we are in trusting attachment relationship, our body literally like has better capacity to feel yes. our feelings and access yes. some of this stuff. Like, our bodies know when we're in a safe emotional environment. Absolutely. I even tell um, providers a lot, think about it from an adult perspective as well, right? If we we are essentially able to look at it from our lens, think about the things that stress you out. Think about how you feel when you were stressed out. Mm. Those same things. I'm never stressed out. Children. <laughs> um, you know, what, what your body feels in those moments, what you need when you're stressed out. Is it that you need a hug from a friend? Is it that you need to call them after a long day of work and talk through things? So that same co-regulation and things that we talked about earlier between, between children, children, we also uh, need those things as an adult. And so it's, sometimes it's easier for us to look at it from that perspective and uh, recognize that even as adults, we need these things. So what do children need? They absolutely need this. Wow. It sounds So it's obviously a lot of work. And I, my guess is yeah. you're making it sound I'm, I'm not necessarily easy, but uh, but I but I have Accessible. to appreciate the amount of yeah time and effort yeah. you must all be putting yes. into this to make this work. Absolutely. Trust, Absolutely. I imagine it takes a long time. Just that, just developing trust. 
Yes, that alone. Right, that alone. (laughs) It definitely takes time and repeated experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as Carrie had said before, I think, uh, you know, a lot of clinicians do listen to this and stuff. And yeah. what advice do you have for them? Like, how 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 can clinicians, how can we all help? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think you all sit in a very, very powerful place, one of which we also talk a lot about at first three years is screening and assessment. And a lot of people aren't necessarily aware that there are screenings and assessments Mm -hmm. to assess the relational health uh, between caregivers and infants and toddlers. Um, And so by by administering these uh, developmental and behavioral screenings, you get the opportunity to essentially identify any potential concerns um, for infants and toddlers and through those tools can kind of pinpoint those signs of emotional or social or developmental challenges that may require intervention. And then ultimately helping parents, caregivers uh, receive that intervention and receive intervention that is based in parent-child interaction therapy or uh, play therapy or even referring to some early intervention programs uh, because we know that these first three years of life are so critical and so great in, in helping through these these things. The more we can refer to early intervention services and or provide therapy for children and families in these first three years of life, the better. It is such a nice reminder that we. I think as therapists, I don't know if you feel this way. This is me. I'll just speak for me. I feel like as a therapist, I, I can often feel like I'm the one who needs to be kind of handling this or like, you know, gosh, you know, if it's I'm working with a parent, like I'm the one who needs to coach them in this way or whatever it might be. And just to remind us, like there's help out there. There's other yeah. resources. There are programs um, yeah. to utilize. And especially for those here in Texas, this is a yeah. wonderful organization where it looks like there's a lot of support for this. Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. how, how do people access you? Absolutely. Website or, yeah. 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 So our website is www first three, the number three, years, tx.org. And they can always reach out to our uh, general email line, which is info at first, the number three, years, tx.org. Those first three years, tx. Yes. Dot org. Dot org. Or if I'm sure if I just Google first three years. That's too. what I did. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. You can always Google first three first years. First three years, Texas, it showed up. Yes. <laughs> well, Jaira, would you like to give our guests the last word? Anything you'd want to leave our, our listeners with as we wrap up for today? Absolutely. I would just like to say thank you for all that you do on behalf of children and their families. You all play such an amazing role. Keep doing the great work that you do in impacting children across the state. We really appreciate you. Mm, retweet. Thank you so much for, <laughs> yeah, for joining real, us. Real Absolutely. Thank you for I, having me. I'm just so thrilled about the work y'all are doing because like I Thank think you. we we can't we cannot talk about attachment enough. No, life. we can't we can't stress really the importance of yeah. yeah. That's right. Well, you, That's right. You've been you've been listening to Jair and I who is working with the first three years Texas. Um and we've been your hosts. I'm Dr. Carrie Harrell. I'm Dr. Bob Bowen. Thanks, Thanks for diving in. in. 
The Mind Dive podcast is presented by the Menninger Clinic. If you're curious about the professional experiences of mental health clinicians, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. For more episodes like this, visit www.menningerclinic.org. To submit a topic for discussion, send us an email at podcast at menninger.edu.